It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Tuesday. Welcome in Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It feels like a Monday to me. I wasn't here yesterday. A little family emergency. I uh, had three precious hours with my grandson. A little uh, grandpa pop-pop babysitting duty yesterday. But here we are, Tuesday, September 27th. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. Eminem Cartage hotline is open, 502-384-1450. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Summer Cash Bash continues at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000. All summer long, grand prize is a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Bud Light 12-packs, Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, large Doritos, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That is Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, why not become one today? Text Rewards to 80313 and hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. John Hale, Lexington Herald-Leader, will uh, join me in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about Kentucky's football win on Saturday over Northern Illinois and the big one coming up this week. Two unbeaten teams, two ranked teams in Oxford, Mississippi. Noon start as the Cats take on the Old Miss Rebels. Uh, 11 a.m., by the way, Oxford time. Not a whole lot of partying in the Grove before the game. Ole Miss fans want to party after the game this week, though. Kentucky, of course, uh, football wants to stop them from partying. This is a great opportunity for Kentucky. And I'm going to ask John this. If you're on the road in a hostile environment, you would rather have a noon game. I'm assuming that. Because you don't allow the crowd to get hyped up and get into their cups too deep before you play the game. They're a little, you know, tired. They're college kids. They've been out on Friday night. They're a little, uh, you know, they're in recovery mode here. What do they say? Take a uh, bite of the dog that bit you. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get back up and ready. But if you're the opposing team, if you're Kentucky, this is a much better Day game. If you're Ole Miss, you want a night game. Same thing will happen later in the year when you go to Tennessee if you're Kentucky or when Georgia comes to Lexington. Georgia comes to Lexington. If you're Kentucky, you want a night game. If you're Georgia, you want a noon game. When you go to Tennessee, if you're Kentucky, you want a day game. If you're Tennessee, you want a night game. So I think it's advantage Kentucky in that aspect. Now, Ole Miss is still a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And I say this all the time, Vegas knows a lot more than I do. Got a lot to get to in this hour because no show tomorrow. Bats baseball tomorrow at noon, 12.05 actually, final game of the regular season, final game of the season as the Bats are, are on the road at Gwinnett to take on the Stripers. Bats lost last night 4-1. to They'll be back on tonight, 7.05, right here on the Big X, 6.35 pregame with uh, Nick Curran. And then tomorrow, 12.05, First pitch in Gwinnett, final game of the season for the Louisville Bats. So I got a lot to pack in here. Got John Hale in, in about 12 minutes. 
No show yesterday, no show tomorrow. Ooh, I got too much info. I got too much info. And then Memphis gets a slap on the wrist today from the IARP. I think it's Independent Accountability Review Process, uh, the NCAA left hand here. And I know Louisville fan is jumping up and down because Memphis had four level one violations got a $5,000 fine and three years probation. They're not going to miss any tournament actions. They're not going to be have any recruiting restrictions put upon them. Basically, the IARP said this was an administration university issue. These uh, offenses were not caused by Penny Hardaway or his staff, and they do not affect the players that are at the university now, so we're going to take it lightly on them. And Louisville fan and Louisville media now is jumping up and down saying, oh, this is great. This is great for us. I would pump the brakes here. I would pump the brakes. Because, yes, this ruling does say, in effect, you can get away with whatever you want to get away with. You can do whatever you want. $5,000? Are you kidding me? Three years probation? No recruiting restrictions? No missed NCAA tournaments for basically doing whatever you wanted to do to get James Wiseman to come to Memphis for a year, which he didn't even complete. I understand why Louisville fan is ecstatic right now. Well, if this is all they got and we've only got one level one violation, we're in the clear here. I would not jump up and down just yet. Every case is different. The press conference, the, the, the face of the IARP came out and said, yeah, this doesn't mean every case is going to be handled the same. And what you have to remember in Louisville's case is it was a violation while you were on probation. And while I still don't think the cards are going to get hammered here, that is the one distinction in the Louisville case that none of these other cases had. You committed a violation, allegedly, while you were on probation for another violation. And perhaps the IARP will take that a little more seriously. So it's still wait and see. Uh, glad to know the NCAA still has a pulse because it's been a long, 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 long time since these violations in the Louisville program occurred. It's been five years. Five years, and there's still no resolution. Coaches are gone. ADs are gone. University president is gone. All the players are gone. Nobody around was, was around when these things happened. And when will we know? No idea. No idea. It broke this morning that the Memphis case was going to be, uh, the, the adjudication was going to be administered today. This morning, and it did. And that's what's going to happen in the Louisville case. You're going to wake up one morning, you're going to turn on the Twitter or turn on the television or the radio, and you're going to see, oh, they're going to finally hand down the Louisville case in, oh, I guess an hour. They're going to finally hand down the ruling. That's, that's what happens, and we have no idea when that's going to happen. But until it does, I would be cautiously optimistic if I was a Louisville fan. But I certain, certainly wouldn't feel extreme confidence. 
And I think that's what Cardinal fans are feeling this morning. Extreme confidence that Louisville will not receive a postseason ban. They will not receive any recruiting restrictions based on someone else's case resolution. And I think that's dangerous ground. I believe Louisville will not get a postseason ban. I believed it the whole time. I believe Louisville will not be hammered recruiting-wise or financially. I believe that the entire time. But I also believe I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going to happen. It's cautious optimism. Optimism's great. Put a little caution in there with it, though. A <sighs> lot to get to. Like I said, I didn't get to talk about anything yesterday because I wasn't on, so we'll talk some college football here. Louisville was impressive on Saturday. I was at Cardinal Stadium. 41-3 is 41-3. I don't care how you slice it. But Louisville looked the part. It's all about the eye test sometimes, right? It's all about the eye test. What we did not see at Syracuse, we saw Saturday. Guys helping each other up after a tackle. Hitting each other on the helmet after a good play was made. Energy, enthusiasm. Those were the key code words after that Syracuse loss in week one. Scott Satterfield came out two days later and said, we had no energy. I don't understand the effort. They, they had it Saturday. Now, South Florida is not a great team. All this game told me was that I don't think Florida's very good, right? Because South Florida stayed with Florida in the swamp. And you thought going in, and I thought South Florida's going to try to run the football. They average five yards of carry. Louisville's not good against the run. They give up over five yards of carry. This is going to be a game of South Florida trying to control the football, control the clock, run a lot of clock, and uh, limit the possessions. It never happened. It never happened because Louisville came out on fire. The Bulls were down before they knew it, and it was all Cardinals. 41-3. to And now Louisville is a 15-and-a-half-point a favorite at Boston College this weekend. That's a big number. Now, I watched some of Boston College in Florida State on Saturday night. I had a little monetary investment in that game, and it did go my way, by the way. Florida State looked good. Boston College was awful. Awful. They couldn't get out of their own way. Let me put it to you this way. I watched South Florida lose 41-3, to and South Florida looked better than Boston College did on Saturday night. A much-needed blowout for the Cards on Saturday. South Florida, three turnovers. Louisville, one turnover. Malik Cunningham was Malik Cunningham. 14 of 22, 186 and a touchdown. He ran for 113 yards and two TDs. Or, excuse me, three TDs. Travion Cooley, 11 carries, 75 yards. Tyon Evans was back. He carried for 51 yards and a touchdown. Uh, a lot of different receivers involved. Jalen Carter, the uh, native Louisville native, had his first career Louisville catch for a 26-yard touchdown. It was a celebration in Cardinal Stadium. There were probably 35,000 people there. 
I think I'm being generous. The announced attendance was well over 40, but those are tickets sold. Um, but the crowd that was there was boisterous. They were loud. They were cheering, and they had a lot to cheer about. Now you got a conference game. You're still 0-2 in the ACC, and you got two road games and a bye coming up if you're the Cards. You don't come home for a month. You want a nice crowd at home when you come back in a month, go to Boston College and win, which you should, and go to Virginia and win. If you play well there, you should win that game as well. You should. Not saying you will. I'm saying you should. But it was an impressive performance all around for the Cards. Cats, not so impressive. They did win the game against the Northern Illinois Huskies, 31-23. to That's too close for comfort. That is too close for comfort. And if you're a Kentucky fan, you didn't feel comfortable, really, until Northern Illinois went for two at 31-23 and didn't get it. Kentucky's now up to number seven in the country with Oklahoma losing. Will Levis was great. Passing game was great. 300, over 300 yards passing, 303 to be exact. Four touchdowns. He did get sacked five times. That's a concern. You always hear about the big blue wall. The big blue wall. They allow the running game to happen. Kentucky has not been able to run the football this year. And they don't allow their quarterback to get touched. He got sacked five times against a Mac school. Does he hold on to the ball too long sometimes? Yes, he does. But it's an explosive offense through the air. Explosive. Tavion Robinson, seven catches, 147, two touchdowns. Barry on Brown, the speedster, four for 102 and two touchdowns. So when he was allowed time to throw, Will Levis threw it down the field very effectively. Cavassier Smoke had 85 yards rushing. This team needs Chris Rodriguez. But as much as that, they need the offensive line to be better. If you're going to win in the Southeastern Conference, that offensive line has to be better. They just do. Now you go to Ole Miss. Noon, like I said, I think that's a good time frame for Kentucky. ESPN game. Rebels are ranked 14th. They, you know what? They struggled too. For Kentucky and Ole Miss, these were both look-ahead games. Ole Miss beat Tulsa, but it was a close game at home in, in Oxford. Kentucky beats Northern Illinois. It's a close game. I think both programs, both teams, were looking ahead to each other. And if you're Kentucky, I had Kentucky at preseason losing this game coming up Saturday. Had them losing. I still have them losing it. Again, Vegas is smarter than I do than I am, and Kentucky's a six-and-a-half-point underdog. There's a reason for that. There's a reason. Uh, road game, Southeastern Conference. Kentucky proved against Florida they can go on the road and win. Although, again, at this point, I don't know how good Florida is. They lost to Tennessee. It was 38-33, but it wasn't that close. How good is Tennessee? We're, we're five weeks now, four weeks into the season. Going to be five, and we're still not sure on a lot of teams. We're sure Ohio State's really good. We're certain Georgia's really good, although they struggled this week. And I, we think Alabama's still Alabama. After that, I really don't know. Clemson won in over, double overtime 
against Wake Forest. Wake Forest, you better outscore them. They're going to put up points. And Clemson had to outscore them. But I don't know how good Clemson is. They got NC State this week. I think NC State's really good. But they almost lost to East Carolina. All right, let's take a break. Got to catch my breath here. A lot to get to today. John Hale joins me after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big A. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Baseball pennant races heating up. Braves, Mets. Got a series this weekend. Probably going to decide who wins the National League East. Phillies, Brewers fighting for the last playoff spot in the National League. Uh, AL's pretty much set, but uh, still some great baseball. They're going an extra three days because of the work stoppage at the beginning of the season. we got three extra days of baseball next week. So, I love it. But it's football time, so let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline, bring in John Hale from uh, Lexington Herald-Leader. John, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It felt like Kentucky and Ole Miss both were looking ahead last week. Would you say that's fair? I think that's certainly probably a contributing factor to the way they played. Um, Kentucky's game was weird just because those two opening possessions were so long. You know, only two possessions in the first quarter total. You didn't have the ball a lot in the first half. Then if you don't fumble right before halftime, yeah. The game's basically in control there. Um, and then obviously in the fourth quarter, I think they did let up off the gas. Basically, they they knew the game was over, then it was time to move on to next week. So I think that fourth quarter performance is probably certainly the part where maybe they were looking ahead. Uh, but overall, it's weird because like a couple plays go the other way and you know it's, it's more in line of the score we expected. Is it dangerous that the long ball is so much a part of the offense that if that's taken away a little bit by a good defense, then maybe you're going to have trouble moving the ball? Or does Chris Rodriguez fix that? Well, they certainly have to run the ball better. I think they have to find some more balance there um, in the coming week starting Saturday. And how much Chris can fix that on his own I think is a fair question. Certainly some of these plays where – Kavassier Smoke or LaBelle Wright or Jatan McClain go down on the first hit. He's going to break a couple tackles and turn a two-yard gain into a 10-yard gain. That's what he does. So that part will help. And then the more he does that, the more differently the defenses have to play, and it opens up some other things. So I think it will certainly reestablish that. But the days of Kentucky running for 200 yards a game, I think, are done. And I just don't think that's what the offense is anymore, especially with Will Levis and these receivers. But they don't need to. And the good thing is I think – you know, I would be a little more concerned if so many of these big plays, if they were all like the Dane Key touchdown at Florida, where it was literally you know 50 yards in the air, 60 yards in the air, one-on-one coverage, got to make a great catch. You just can't count on that all the time. But last week, I mean, a lot of this was yards after catch, and that's something that Tavion Robinson in particular has proven he's really good at. Darian Brown obviously has elite speed. That helps. And the fact that they have three of those guys, I think, puts them in a much better position than a year ago when it was just Wondell Robinson. You you can scheme to take away Tavion Robinson, and then you've still got Key and, and Brown out there, or you can take away Barry and Brown, and you've got the other two. And so I think that's a really nice spot to be in. And if Chris Rodriguez does make the running attack just you know a little more productive than it's been so far, I think you feel pretty good about the offense. 
The Tavion Robinson performance Saturday, 7-147, two touchdowns. Uh, that was electric, right? Yeah, it was great. I mean, obviously he did something similar in the opener but didn't score. And then to see uh, the second touchdown I thought was was maybe the most impressive part when you know there was a guy right behind him, and he knew where that defender was, made one kind of spin move as soon as he had the ball, made that guy miss, and then was just clear to the end zone. And so uh, I think the really important part of the way both he and Barry and Brown played on Saturday was Northern Illinois made the decision that because Kentucky's offensive line is clearly vulnerable, they were going to blitz a lot. And that was what they thought was their best strategy to, to get some success. And when you do that, it leaves guys exposed in coverage. And Kentucky's receivers proved that they can make you pay for that. Obviously, SEC defenses are going to have better pass rushers than Northern Illinois or, um, or Miami, Ohio, or Youngstown State. But that's, it's a spot where you feel pretty good about you know if they are going to blitz, if they are going to try and exploit what looks to be the real weakness of the offense, then, you know, Will Levis can get the ball out quickly and these receivers can make plays. Maybe that counters some of that. Talking to John Hale, Lexington Herald leader, beat writer for Kentucky football. We've heard about the big blue wall the last several years, and they've been very impressive. Is Mark Stoops worried at all? Five sacks by, on Levis on Saturday. Again, you mentioned SEC defenses are going to come after him even even more, and, and plus the fact Kentucky's had trouble running the football. I think you got to be at least a little concerned. It has been interesting the last two weeks, though. They've really kind of set this narrative that the pass protection issues haven't all been on the offensive line. After the game Saturday, Rich Gangarello said of the five sacks, just you know, naked eye, his interpretation were two of them were on the line, one of them was a running back, and two of them were on Levis needing to get the ball out faster, making the wrong decision. So it's been uh, kind of a, a group effort in, in the failures there for sure, but the line, nobody is pretending like they're playing well to this point or up to their standards, but it felt like because of how much Northern Illinois blitzed in that game, they were actually pretty pleased with the progress. And the other factor here is, you know, they've, they started three different starting fives in the first three games. You know, three of their starters were out injured for most of camp, so they just have not had a lot of time to play together. Saturday was the second time they started their first choice five, uh, like in the Florida game. They basically played the entire game together. So they, I, I think there is a real sense of confidence that as that group plays together more, they're going to develop some of this cohesion that has been a problem and it's going to get better. And then, you know, let's face it, if Chris Rodriguez is Chris Rodriguez that we, you know, come to know and expect, that's going to force defenses to respect the run more, and then they can't just sell out as much as they're doing right now. Uh, I think I saw in your article Kentucky's two and eight in uh, games to Oxford. Uh, is does noon help Kentucky here? Because obviously the Grove won't be the Grove at eleven a.m. Oxford time. I think it does. Uh, apparently, I was just reading more about this today. They've had a tr- they've had some issues getting their students to show up to games so far this yeah, season. I saw that. Yeah, you know, part of that is the schedule has been bad. They have not played anybody at home that's any good, so students are just not going to show up for that. But this is a huge game. It's sold out. Obviously, I think SEC Nation is going to be there. It's a ranked matchup. You would think the crowd would still be big, but 11 a.m. local time, that's pretty early for students to get there. So maybe it's not quite. I mean, I think all things being equal, if you're Kentucky, you prefer it at 11 versus 7.30 at night when you know they've had all day to get liquored up and get wild and rowdy. So I, I think it probably helps Kentucky a little bit, but then you also have to worry about, you know, flat start in the morning. They, they have had, that has been an issue at times when they've gone to like Missouri and had that noon game. But, 
you know, I think that this is one where you should not really worry about any sort of flat energy levels. You, you got to show up ready to play in this one. So um, I think it, it's a net positive for sure. And Matt Corral's not around anymore. That's got to help defensively. Uh, Cats have been great so uh, for the most part this year. What is the uh, focus defensively against this Ole Miss offense and Lane Kiffin? I mean, I think that the Northern Illinois game is actually probably a good thing for the defense because they were playing so well and coming off the shutout and everybody's talking about how good they were. Yeah. You know, talking to Brad White last week, it was like, what's, what do you tell this defense to keep them motivated? And, and he and Mark Stooth both made the point that there are plenty of things they need to get fixed. You know, just because a play doesn't work doesn't necessarily mean the defense did anything special. Sometimes the offense just messes up, and they know what plays those are on film. But then to go out and see against Northern Illinois, that team come back in the fourth quarter, make it interesting, have the really long play. Now you have some of those things on film that says, these mistakes we've been pointing out that haven't hurt you so far, this is what can happen against a good team. So Ole Miss is like fourth in the country in rushing yards per game and like 104th in passing attempts. So you would think they'd be really focused on the run game. But Mark Stoops also said yesterday, there's a lot in the passing game that they just haven't had to put on film yet because of the opponents they're playing so far. So he's expecting a lot of play action, a lot of uh, motions and things that are going to be confusing for a defense to see. So they have to be really, I think, disciplined in their assignments. That was the, the word he used. That's going to be really important because this is an offense. We know Lane Kiffin knows how to throw the ball around. And so I, I think if you just sell out for the run, that's a, that's a bad, a bad uh, strategy to take. Uh, Kentucky's uh, beat up a little bit at linebacker right now. Any status uh, updates there for Wright or uh, Weaver? I mean, I think Jordan Wright's going to be good to go, but it does not seem like J.J. Weaver will play this week. Um, the official description last Monday was week to week, and then yesterday Mark Stoops said doesn't look good for him. He wasn't on the depth chart, so I don't anticipate him playing. He had a huge brace and was still in the swing on Saturday, so that seems like too quick a turnaround with the elbow injury. Uh, but if you know Jordan Wright's limited at all, then you're really concerned because your two options are true freshmen and Keaton Wade and Alex Safari, who's you know basically a nickel defensive back um, linebacker hybrid. So they'll need those guys to play. But uh, I think that you know, you just got to hope that Wright's his normal self, what he did at Florida, he can do again this week. Some injuries don't look bad, and they're worse than they look, and look awful, and they're better than they look. And I think Weavers, it looked awful on film. Yeah, I mean, there was some moment there where you thought, wow, this might be it. This might be his entire yeah. season. And then immediately after, people were saying, oh, he might be back for Ole Miss. And so it's it's somewhere in the middle, which hopefully is where it lands there for sure. Um, nobody thinks he's going to be out long term. I think this is a you know li- literally a week-to-week thing, and so we'll see next week if, if he's back in there. But you know, certainly in the moment, you feared it was going to be much worse than it turned out to be. Why does the uh, next year's football schedule come out so early? I mean – we're three games into this year's season, and next year's schedule's out. What's what's the point of that? I mean, I think it, it helps uh, because these SEC cities are so small. These football towns, you got to book your travel really, really early if you're going to go to these games, or you know, if you're coming from out of town to watch your hometown team for most of these places. You got, I mean, the, the hotels will probably be booked out, you know, here in the next couple of months, and so that helps. I think part of it. Um, I guess the the other argument is we know who the opponents were going to be. That was already, you know, that's been in the works for eight years when they announced the rotation of who's playing where each season. Yeah. So you might, I mean, like, why not just go ahead and announce the dates, I guess. It would be, I think, cool to do it in the off season. You probably get a little more attention around it than in the middle of the year. But 
um, you know, earlier the better for planning. And I, I just don't think there's really a downside, I guess. All right. I'm doing this by memory. Kentucky-Louisville basketball is, I believe, New Year's Eve. Am I correct? That's At right. the noon? That's right. At noon? Yep. Okay. Which football games, which bowl games is Kentucky looking at going, uh-oh, we got a conflict here? Well, the Sugar Bowl is at noon. So well, that's, that's okay. That would be great. Number. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll take that, that <laughs> problem if they have it right there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if Kentucky's in the Sugar Bowl, I think the, the basketball game gets overshadowed. And the other ones at noon, at noon that day is the Music City Bowl. I think that if Kentucky was in a position to where they were in the running for that, they would say – let's go somewhere else. A, yeah. they've been to the Music City Bowl so many times. B, they don't want to make their fans choose between those two things, what to watch. So if they're in that pool of six, obviously their first choice is going to be uh, the Outback Bowl, which I think is called the ReliaQuest Bowl now. That would oh be their gosh. opening option. But if, if they if they fall past the Outback and they're in that group of Music City, Belt, um, Music City Gator Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl, Liberty Bowl, and Texas Bowl, I think my gut would be maybe they'd say, let's go to Las Vegas. I mean, that's a place we haven't been yet so far. That would be our first option. I do not think that they would. If if they have their choice, and it's not only their choice, the Bulls in the league sure. you know, have to put teams where they, they make the most sense. I think they would pretty strongly say, keep us out of Nashville this year. Uh, I know you're covering football more than basketball now, but uh, did you see the Penny Hardaway Memphis result today from the IARP? And what were, what were your thoughts on that? It's interesting. I mean, the first thing you want to do is extrapolate and say, you know, they didn't get hit very hard. Does that mean that we've moved past an era where the NCAA is going to, like, put out these huge sanctions for various things because they've realized that that ship has kind of sailed? And you want to say, well, what does that mean for Louisville? What does that mean for LSU? What does that mean for Kansas and these other schools and the FBI investigation? I don't know that it does mean much one way or the other, but uh, it certainly was not a a negative if you're a Louisville fan out there today thinking what's going to happen. It, it at least gives you one more reason to be optimistic if, if you know if this thing ever does get finalized. But um, I was at least interested to see that they didn't they didn't hammer Penny Hardaway. They didn't you know ban them from postseason or anything. So you know maybe it's just a one off in the unique circumstances because James Wiseman only ended up playing like three games there. Right. But we'll see uh, if it means more as as more of these uh, cases come out. You heading to Oxford this weekend? I am. I will be there. John, safe travels. Appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. John Hale, election and Herald leader. And, uh, boy, I'm glad we can go to games now. I remember the pandemic. And, uh, you know, you just couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't make these trips. You, you had to watch to watch the game, do, do the press conferences remotely on Zoom. It was yeah, and, and that's fine, and a lot of places still do that, and I get that. But, uh, hey, there's a dial tone. I love it. Uh, a lot of places still do that. Kentucky still does it. They did it last year for basketball. You could go to the games. You could sit there as a reporter, watch the game, take your notes, but then you didn't go down to the interview room afterward. You just sat at your seat, turned on your laptop, Put up the Zoom call, and that's how you interviewed Cal and any of the players that got interviewed. And boy, I'd love that that at least Louisville doesn't do that anymore. At least at Louisville, you, you get a little face to face time with these coaches and these players. Um, so good to hear John hit. And look, Las Vegas Bowl. I don't care who you pull for Las Vegas Bowl. I'm in. 
I'm putting in for my press pass now if Kentucky goes to the Las Vegas Bowl. And you don't have to go to Vegas anymore just to gamble. That's the beauty. I, I'm in Indiana now, right now, as we speak. I can ride down the street. Uh, it takes me five minutes to get to the betting parlor. I can bet any games I want. It takes me uh, 15 minutes to get to the casino. I can play some blackjack, roulette, craps, slots, whatever I want to do. But Vegas is still Vegas. It's still Vegas. And if Kentucky goes to the Las Vegas Bowl, I'm sorry, Dugan, I won't be in that week. I'm heading to Vegas. All right, let's take a break. Come back. I got too much to get in 20 minutes, but we'll do our best. NFL, MLB, college football, all that and not much more. Listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cardage on the Big Act. Eminem Carter, John Spears in studio. Final segment. Eminem Card's hotline is open. 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation. 384-1450. Thorne's text line still open. Get your last-minute text into the show at 502-414-1450. Crazy NFL games this weekend culminated with Dallas. San Francisco-Denver was hard to watch. On Sunday night, Denver had nine three and outs, and they won the game eleven to ten. It set football back thirty years. It was awful. Jimmy G stepped out of the back of the end zone as he retreated to throw a pass, a pass that was ultimately intercepted and returned five yards for a touchdown. The touchdown didn't count because he stepped out of bounds. It was a safety. Jimmy Garoppolo. All he does is win. Well, not in Denver on Sunday. And then last night, it was 6-3 to three, Dallas over the Giants at halftime. Now, the second half was very entertaining. Dallas won it 23-16. They were a slight underdog. The Giants are now 2-1. and one. Thank goodness they're not 3-0. and oh. I could not take my man Moe from Middletown if his New York football Giants were 3-0. and oh. The Eagles and the... Uh, I got to think here. The Eagles are undefeated. Who else is undefeated? There's one more team that is undefeated. And I don't know who it is because I got the wrong page up. The Dolphins. Oh, the Miami Dolphins. Tua. Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Look, it was a scary, scary moment in Saturday's game when Tua hit his head on the turf. Got up, took a few steps, fell down again, got up again, staggered into the arms of a couple of offensive linemen, was taken to the locker room, and then came back out to play. The Dolphins are going to have to answer to this. Now, the NFL Players Association is investigating. Tua is saying, as are the Dolphins and head coach Mike McDaniel, that it was his back, not his head. That was a head injury. You're not going to convince me otherwise. He grabbed his face mask. You don't grab your face mask when your back hurts. He shook his head like he was shaking out the cobwebs. You don't do that when your back is what's injured. I mean, anybody that watched that game had no doubt that was a head injury. 
And for him to get back in that game, and he did ultimately win it, that is unsafe practices and sends concussion protocol back another 15 years as well. But the Dolphins are unbeaten. By the way, the uh, unsponsored six-pack went 4-2 and two again. 4-2, third straight week of positivity out of the six-pack. 15-15 and 15 on the year. Started out very slowly. Very slowly. But money-making weeks the last three times. I'm almost, and I'm not there yet, but I'm almost to the point where I'm going to tell you to bet with me. For the last, I don't know, how many years have I done this show? Five years? I've been telling you to bet against me. That has been my advice. I'm getting really close to saying I feel really good about this. Really good. My wins, Texas Tech plus seven wins outright at home against Texas. Cincinnati shouldn't have covered, but like I say all the time, they don't take pictures of them. Indiana goes for it at their own two-yard line late in the game which allows, on fourth down, which allows Cincinnati to start a drive at the two-yard line. They took them two plays to run it in and actually cover. Congratulations, me. That's a win. Shouldn't have been a win, but again, win's a win. And Ohio State, I had the Buckeyes uh, minus 19 against Wisconsin at home. It was 21 to nothing before the first quarter was over. That one was that well, that one felt good. And even when Wisconsin scored to make it 21 to 7, I said, I looked at, at the TV and said, hey, it doesn't matter. They can't stop Ohio State. And they couldn't. So three for three in college. Three for three. Feeling good. I'm going into Sunday. And who do I have on Sunday? I got the Bills. I got the Chiefs. These are the two best teams in football. I'm only giving five and a half in each game. I feel great. The Bills had some time mismanagement. Um, Didn't play well. The Bills had 90 offensive plays. The Dolphins had 37 offensive plays. And the Dolphins win the game 21-19. Crazy. Chiefs and Colts. The Colts were awful game uh, first two games. Awful. Matt Ryan can't hold, can't not turn the ball over. He's a fumble machine. And the Chiefs, five and a half point favorites in Indy, who got shut out the week before by Jacksonville. This is easy, right? Wrong. Indianapolis wins the game outright. Thankfully, the Denver Broncos were able to play some defense, come up with a, a safety. And uh, getting one and a half, they went out right against the 49ers, 11 to 10. So four and two, I'll take it. It was a godsend. But again, when you're hot, you're hot. We'll have another uh, unsponsored six-pack coming up on, uh, on Friday. But four and two each of the last three weeks, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's putting food on the table, right? That's keeping mama happy. Speaking of Indiana, that offensive line, they got to fix some things. And Tom Allen addressed that with the media 
addressed it in the post game on Saturday. Yeah, they do. I don't know if they win another game. This week is probably the best shot, but Indiana's a five-and-a-half-point underdog at Nebraska. By the way, as I look back on the picks at the beginning of the year for the four local teams, Louisville, Kentucky, Indiana, and I put Purdue in there, uh, I'm not doing great. I'm not doing great. I'm one in three in my Louisville predictions. South Florida wins the only one I had right. And I got them losing to Boston College. This is where you're a third of the way into the season, and I go, what would I change? Well, I would change that one. They're going to beat Boston College. They're 15-and-a-half-point favorites. And as I mentioned earlier, I watched BC. They can't get out of their own way. They scored late in the game against Florida State to cut it to 37. And I got Louisville losing to Virginia the following week. I would change that right now. I am 3-1 and one in my Kentucky predictions. Uh, of course, everybody had them beating Miami, Youngstown State, and Northern Illinois. I had them losing in Florida. Tony Burke is 4-0. Ed Peak 4-0 in their Kentucky predictions. Now, Tony and Ed differ this week. Myself and Tony, we both have the Cats losing to Ole Miss. Hopefully, we're wrong. But Ed's got the Cats winning. Ed and Tony both have Kentucky 10-2. and two. Ed has them losing to Tennessee and Georgia. Tony has them losing to Ole Miss and Georgia. I'm 3-1 and one in my Indiana predictions. I had them winning last week against Cincinnati. I don't know why. I don't know why. Connor Bazelak had to throw it 100 times. He was 31 of 66, 280 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked five times. Again, offensive line, three turnovers for the Hoosiers, only one for Cincinnati. The turnover at the end of the half, the fumble by Bazelak, scoop and score for Cincinnati made it 38-10. to That was a killer. I mean, 31-10, you're not going to come back and win. But Indiana won the second half. They won the second half. Now you go to Nebraska, 7.30 Saturday night, Big Ten Network. Because the the upcoming games after that, I can't find a victory. I can't. Michigan, Maryland, at Rutgers, Penn State, at Ohio State, at Michigan State, Purdue at home. Maybe they beat Purdue at home, right? Because Purdue, they beat Florida Atlantic 28-26. to Florida Atlantic. FAU. Former... Reclamation project of Howard Schnellenberg. They're a 12-point underdog at Minnesota this week. By the way, Minnesota's 4-0, and they waxed Michigan State. That's impressive. Uh, Coach Flex got them, got them rowing the boat in, uh, in Minnesota. Purdue's next two games at Minnesota, at Maryland. Good luck. Good luck, Jeff Brown. Because you gave away a game against Penn State, you gave away a game against Syracuse on the road, and then you almost gave a game away against Florida Atlantic. Two-point conversion failed for the Owls, or that's an overtime game. All right, back to the NFL. The Bills, Chiefs, and Buccaneers all lose this week. The uh, much-ballyhooed 
Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers game, there was no reason to ballyhoo that game. There was no reason. 14 to 12 was the final. The Buccaneers inadvertently, with no timeouts left, took a delay of game on the two-point conversion that would have tied it. They had to run the conversion from the seven-yard line. I'm sure Brady had to break a couple more uh, Microsoft tablets on the sideline when that one was over. So, and look, Aaron Rodgers still got a bunch of guys out there that he's probably never even met that he's throwing the football to. I have more confidence in Green Bay than I do in Tampa Bay. And most people are the other way around. Tampa Bay's got a lot of injuries. They're going to get a lot of guys back. Mike Evans didn't play because of the suspension. Chris Godwin will be back before the season goes much further. And and Tampa Bay's got a really good defense. But it feels to me like Green Bay is just slowly taking their time here. They got a great running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The defense is solid, as they proved this weekend. Uh, it, it bothers me that Jair Alexander, the former Louisville Cardinal, went out with an injury during that Tampa Bay game. Hopefully he'll be okay. But Aaron Rodgers is starting to feel comfortable with these young receivers. He's got Alan Lazard back now. That'll be his number one guy. They were missing their rookie uh, the other day. He's got another rookie he connected with a few times, including a touchdown. I feel better in the NFC about Green Bay than I do about Tampa Bay, and I feel really good about the Eagles. Trevor Kelsey's uh, he's living right right now. The Eagles beat Washington 24-8. to It wasn't that close. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. They've got two great receivers in A.J. Brown. And uh, Devontae Smith, they got a terrific tight end in Dallas Goddard. The defense is solid. They sacked Carson Wentz nine times on uh, Sunday. Philly's good. They're not in a difficult division. There's a really good chance Philadelphia will end up with home field advantage in the NFC. That's huge. And they don't care what's going on with the Phillies right now. Phillies are the last team in right now in the National League, and Philadelphia sport fan could not care less. Because Fly Eagle Fly is 3-0. Bengals finally won. They beat the Jets 27-12. Not the prettiest game, but, uh, boy, great game coming up Thursday night. Undefeated Miami at Cincinnati. Three years ago, Miami and Cincinnati would have been on on a Thursday night game because they put bad games on Thursday night. Now with the Amazon Prime deal, where Prime Video is the only way to watch the Thursday night game. Prime Video, Amazon paid enough money where you're getting good games on Thursday night. This is a great game. Tua against Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase against Tyreek Hill. Oh, this is a fantastic Thursday night game. And who had a bad weekend? Texans and Raiders are the only two winless teams in the NFL, and at least Houston has a tie. The Raiders and Josh McDaniel and uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are 0-3. No show tomorrow. Bats baseball at noon. I will see you Thursday 
Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. WXVW, Jeffersonville.